we trust in church, we're crazy enough to believe that as we sit under the spoken word of God, that the Holy Spirit engages us in the process of sanctification, which is making us look more like Jesus, which is the will of God for your life, as the Apostle Paul tells us. So if you're like, what's the will of God for my life? To be conformed to the image of Christ. There you go. There it is. And part of that process happens as we open the word. So if you're ready to open the word, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Somebody online, drop it in the chats. I'm ready. Me and Luke chapter 17 in this series, Act a Fool, wisdom-based living in a world where wisdom is not so common. I probably butchered that, but wisdom-based living. I'm going to try and give you some wisdom from Scripture today. It's the solid rock upon which we build our lives. Luke chapter 17. I'm reading from the ESV today, if you're following along. That is the English standard version. Luke chapter 17 Jesus said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. And the church said, well, temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones, one of these immature in their faith, one of these new Christians to sin. The sea in scripture and deep water was always representative of the judgment of God. God judged the sin of the world in a flood. God judged the sin of the Egyptians when the Red Sea folded on top of them. It was always representative of the judgment of sin. Jesus says it will be better for you to have a millstone. Y'all got millstones hanging around your house? It's just a big old stone they used to mill the wheat that they gathered. It would turn and it would crush the wheat. Better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Are you sufficiently encouraged well, church? Like, I'm so glad I came to church today. My friend was like, it's a fun church. They got bubble machines and ice cream. I'm like, woe to you sinners. <laughs> Verse 3 says, pay attention to yourselves. This is, this is the verse for all the hall monitors in the world. Are we out here? Do we have the hall monitors in the streets somewhere? I don't know. We had a hall monitors. I was getting to ask, where's your hall pass? Where's your hall pass? Like, I don't have one. I just have to pee. Like running, seven years old. It's the interrogation. Pay attention to yourselves, to yourselves, to yourselves. Don't be the person who's like always on watch for other people. You sin, you sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Some people might call that toxic. Scripture calls it healthy. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, round fun, George. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you, Jesus ups the ante. If he sins against you seven times in a day, you must. Somebody say must. You must forgive him. Mm -mm. Tell the truth in church. You have passages of scripture you read and go, nah. I'm all right. You must. 
Jesus' teaching on forgiveness was some of the most radical teaching in his arsenal. It wouldn't play well in this cultural moment of holding grudges and building cases against your neighbor. And if he sins against you 70 times in a day and repents, repentance, this is not just somebody going, I'm sorry to get out of it. Repentance in scripture means to change your mind. To, to repent of my sin means I change my mind to agree with God that that sin is killing me. I align my mind. I'm not conformed to the pattern of this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind so that by testing I can discern what is the will of God. I change my mind about my sin to believe that it is killing me and God is right and I am in error and I, and I ask for, that's repentance. So I'm not talking about some flippant, they were like, my bad, and like kept going. Like repentance says if he sins against you seven times and repents seven times to me it feels like about time number four like I don't think this brother understands <laughs> repentance I don't think he understands how he hurt me I don't think he I, I, Jesus says must so if you'll let me actually I, I should say if you'll let the Holy Spirit I would love to kind of drive up into your driveway. I know we don't have much relational equity, so I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to fill in the gaps. And that, that you would let the Holy Spirit go to a place, because as we see in this scripture, two of the things that are gonna make you act a fool most in life are unconfessed sin and unforgiven offenses. And I'm, I'm not here to talk about unconfessed sin. You start wilding out in your small groups this week, confessing sins. And, Scripture does tell us to confess our sins to a brother and pray that there might be healing. But I, but I want to talk that, that second one, the, un, the unforgiven offenses, the unforgiveness, because unforgiveness will cause you, you know, it, that caused you to act a fool. Frames things, gives you new goggles for life. Things have been perpetrated against you. And so I know we just met each other, but if, if you would allow me, I want to speak to us. The, the, the title of our lesson from this text is, the faith for forgiveness. Because some forgiveness and the forgiveness that I feel like I was sent on an assignment here this morning to talk to you about is the kind that requires faith. Not positive mental energy. Jesus did not go to the cross so you could think happy thoughts. You could do that without Jesus. He shed his precious blood so that you could be set free. And if you will let him Maybe you got 15, 20, 25, 30 years worth of, you're like, no, I've, I've been pretty good. I've, that one's down there for a reason. But if you let the Holy Spirit, I, I believe there's healing here today in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We, we're thankful for your word. We need it. Holy Spirit, use it. You say about yourself that you lead us into all wisdom. So Holy Spirit, Lead us into this wisdom today, wisdom for life. Free us. I pray that weights would come off this morning as, as we cast our cares onto you because you care for us. Holy Spirit, encourage, speak life. Give boldness and courage to those of us who may be hesitant as we wade into these waters that we know oh so well. But we've stayed in the harbor for a reason. Holy Spirit, work in our midst and in our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Well, church said, amen, amen, amen.
Holy Spirit, help me help people. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, I don't know if when you hear texts like this, especially some dude you never met saying, you must forgive. The initial reaction is like, uh, yeah, must be nice. Wish I could. Sounds nice, Jesus. You must forgive. If I could have, I would have a long time ago. Jesus says, you must forgive. And the disciples say something astounding. See, there's a section break in, in my Bible. There might be in yours also. But it's, it's the same moment. He comes to you and repents seven times saying, you must forgive. You must forgive him. And the apostles say to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Something in them recognized that this was no ordinary teaching that was coming from Jesus. This was no, this wasn't kind of some therapeutic moment where it was like, just move on, just forgive and forget. That's one of the dumbest things any human has ever said because if I could forget, I wouldn't need to forgive. It's I forgive because I cannot forget. I remember what it felt like. I remember what the room smelled like. I remember the song that was playing. And if I could forget, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't need to forgive. But because I can't forget. And, and they say, increase our faith. Oh, church, this is the response. And Jesus goes, oh, yeah, now, now we're working. Increase our faith. Jesus responds. If you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. They say, increase our faith. Jesus starts talking about gardening. You know how often Jesus does that in scripture? You're like, what? What are you talking about? I said, I heard you, Lord, increase our faith. You start talking about mustard seeds. See, Jesus often talked about the kingdom of God like a mustard seed. It was in, in Mark chapter 4, he says the kingdom of God. With what can we compare the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed that, that when compared to the other seeds is so small. But when planted, it grows and becomes one of the largest of the trees in the garden giving nests to the bird and shade for those to sit under. Jesus communicating that there are things in the kingdom of God that are so small, so seemingly innocuous, minuscule, that if you're not looking with kingdom eyes, you'll miss the power of the small thing because we tend to look for big, big, big. Where's the big? Jesus goes, this ain't the kingdom. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. That's the smallest because what Jesus was trying to communicate about the kingdom size that's going to impress you. It's the substance of what's within the seed. That's the power of the seed. We don't go, wow, it's a beautiful seed. This guy's got the best seeds of all the seeds. We go, that's a beautiful tree. The power of the seed is what's contained within it. So Jesus, they say, he's, you got to forgive him. No. 
you get some God who forgives. And that's when you're like, oh, I've had, I've had 20 years worth of, of not thinking about that. But it's framing the way you see the world, whether you recognize it or not. It's, 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 it has impacted your life. It's impacted your outlook. It's impacted your worldview. It's impacted all kinds of things. And it's causing you in some ways, if you're honest, to act a fool relationally, financially. So you're like, yeah, forgive. That would be awesome. Increase our faith. And Jesus goes, come on, man. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, Jesus doesn't make mistakes, obviously. The word of God is perfect in its execution. The Holy Spirit inspired these men to write these words. This is the word of God. It's not just written by some guys thousands of years ago and the thoughts that they had. It's the very breath of God and the word of God. And when Jesus spoke, he said, I only say what I heard my father say and I only do what I've seen my father do. So when he talks about a mustard seed and a mulberry tree, he knows what he's talking about. See, mustard seed... In case you're not up like on your, uh, your ancient Near Eastern horticulture, I'll catch you up. Did the research for you. I did the. So mustard seeds are, I mean, they're, they were just common. That's why Jesus said they were common. You would, you would overlook them. They were seasonal. They'd grow and they die. They'd grow and they die. Mulberry trees were quite different. It's also translated in scripture as a sycamore tree. This is what Zacchaeus climbs up so he can see Jesus. Mulberry trees were thick and big and strong. Their roots went deep. They lasted for generations, but they were also at this point in time an invasive species. They were not native to that soil. They, they, they would drive their roots deep into the soil and steal the nutrients from the other plants, they, they, were, they were invasive. And Jesus, when talking about forgiveness and increasing faith, he said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, which is so common that they would just overlook it and it, had, it was not impressive at all. What was impressive was a mulberry tree because of its staying power. Jesus is saying, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could say to this unforgiveness, you could say to this mulberry tree, this invasive species. My friend, unforgiveness was never meant to flourish in the soil of the human heart. They weren't built to carry it. But it drives its roots deep. Robs, steals. Jesus picks these two trees on purpose. And I bet if you're honest, there's some, some, some things that have probably driven some roots down deep. Stolen joy, stolen fruitfulness, flourishing that, that Jesus paid for on the cross. I came that you would have life and that that life would be an abundant life. You're going, I don't feel like this is a very abundant life. I would submit for your consideration that maybe there's some, some things that you just haven't released. Sounds well and good. Sounds nice. That's cool. Invasive species. Sounds nice, bro. Thanks for the bumper sticker. How? And some of the stuff that we're talking about, it's like, they owe you big. They stole from you? See, forgiveness in scripture is not pretending the offense never happened. 
Matthew 18 tells us true forgiveness is releasing someone of a debt that they rightfully owe you. So in case somebody told you forgiveness meant you didn't feel yucky when you thought about it, that's not, that's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means there's a debt here. You stole from me. My, my emotional stability. You stole thousands of dollars from me. You stole years from our kids. You stole my ability to feel like I could be loved because you said I love you forever and then forever ran out when you wanted it to. And you owe me a debt. Christian forgiveness is not mental assent. It's not positive vibes. It's recognizing there is a debt here, but I release you in Jesus' name. says, yeah, you're right. You need faith for this. This one's not a go get a latte with the girls and laugh. This one's, I need faith. I don't know if we, we do lattes. We do lattes in the Northwest. But <laughs> go get you some rosé. <laughs> I like it when I make George laugh. That's good. Ha, <laughs> No, 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 I'm, t- I'm talking about, and I, and I feel like I was sent here on an assignment to, to, to talk to you about the faith for forgiveness. This kind of forgiveness requires faith. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It requires faith. So Jesus starts getting some traction. He starts cooking with gas as he, as he says, okay, you could say to this, yeah, faith like a mustard seed. That's all you need. It's tiny. And it feels small. Maybe the, the, the amount of faith that you have feels so minuscule compared to the size of the offense. And maybe what you've been waiting on is, is a repentant gesture that the size of that gesture matched the size of the offense. But what if the phone call never comes? And if you're honest, you know it's probably not coming. Forgiveness is, it's for giving. To receive forgiveness requires repentance. To receive the forgiveness that was, that, was, that was given to me by the blood of Jesus, I must repent to receive it. But Jesus gave forgiveness long before I repented. So maybe somebody told you that in order for you to forgive, there needed to be closure. Closure is nice, but it doesn't always come. That's why the power of forgiveness in the Christian sense is that I don't need to have a conversation. I don't need closure because maybe it's never coming, but I can release you from the debt that you do owe me. Whether I ever tell you that I released you from that debt, whether we ever speak again, I'm not gonna live in this prison of unforgiveness. I am gonna uproot this mulberry tree right now. And it's very specific language that he uses. Uproot and be planted. Other places he says, if you have faith like mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Be cast into the sea. Cast seems like I just tossed it off. Bye. (laughs) That was awesome. Why didn't I do that 20 years ago? (laughs) This is very different. This is be uprooted, and be planted. There's a place where this mulberry tree belongs. 
uprooted and be planted. It's not tossing it away, hoping that it, the roots don't go back in. No, I am planting you where you belong, Jesus says. And where does he tell them to plant it? In the sea. Which if you remember in scripture, was always representative of the judgment of God. That if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be up, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Be up, I'm a blood-bought son of the king, daughter of the king. I've been bought with blood and baptized by fire. And you are an invasive species. And then planted in the sea. And this is, this is, this is where the band comes in when Jesus is preaching, right? And when he says, be planted in the sea. Be planted under the judgment of God. Be planted under, if you'll allow me, be planted under the blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus was not just good enough for my sin and for your sin. So forgiveness, really, if you, if you want to backtrack, forgiveness is not just about releasing someone from a debt. First, you have to receive from Jesus. Because he goes on. In verse 7, he says, Well, any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep, say to him, when he's coming from the field, come at once and recline at the table. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. What are you talking about? This is what he's saying. I'm telling you to forgive. And all I'm telling you to do is what I've already done for you. Nobody knows Nobody knows repentance and then turning their backs more than Jesus. Nobody. Yet still he lavishes forgiveness upon us, not because he's flippant, but because forgiveness is powerful. Not because he doesn't care. Oh, it grieves his heart. He shed his blood that you could be free from the slavery to your sin. So then the question becomes, we ask ourselves, and this is where the faith has to come in. Do I receive the blood of Jesus as full and satisfactory payment for what was done to me? Not just for my sin, but is it powerful enough to cover their sin? Can I, can I, Holy Spirit, you gotta help me because I need the faith to take this and plant it there because I want them to hurt and I want them to feel the pain. I want them to feel what I felt. I want them to pay. Jesus says, hey, I paid. It me. I, I paid. So, so will, you, will you receive the check that I wrote you? Forgiveness is not just releasing it as bad debt, like I'll never get paid back. I have been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. He paid that debt in his life, Beth, Daryl, and resurrection. And so do I receive? And this is the question. This is why it requires faith, because it's not positive mental energy. And then the work becomes of like, man, because I'm going to think about it. I'm going to feel it. 
just because you think about it and feel it and you smell something, you hear a song, it makes you think of them again. You drive by your favorite restaurant and you, and you remember it and then your flesh starts telling you that's because you haven't forgiven. Oh no, friend, that's just the work of forgiving. You feel it because 1 Corinthians 13 says love is never happy with injustice and that was unjust. So you won't, when you think about it, you won't be, but it doesn't have to take up all that real estate in your mind. It doesn't have to frame the way that you see the world. It doesn't have to take roots down, generational roots that, that because that was perpetrated against you, now your daughter thinks that way about men. It, it doesn't have to be that way. It's an invasive species. It's an invasive species. And I don't wanna make light of anyone's trauma. I don't wanna make light of anything, but I'm just telling you that Jesus went to the cross so that you could be free. Not just so you could cope, so, so that you could walk in freedom and you could move forward in your life and you could, you could walk, you could enter boldly into the throne room of grace because you've been paid, but that requires faith. It's no amount of me. You, you have to have, you have to ask the Holy Spirit for that faith to receive. That's why the, the disciples say seven times, really? Hmm. I need some faith for this one. Jesus is so glad you asked. Let me tell you about the power of your faith for forgiveness right here. You can say to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted. It's not flippant, not pretending it never happened. I'm just planting it where it belongs, which is under the blood of Jesus. So Jesus, I receive. I receive so that I can.